Pinger in the air. Let me try that again. Pinky in the air, not Pinger. I don't even know what a Pinger is. A Pinger is a pinky. It's, of course, it's a finger with a P, a Pinger. I'm going to get tweets like that like crazy when it says, oh, my God, Pinger. Well, at Hashtag least Pinger. on Dynamite last week, we didn't say the word former partners. <laughs> I heard that. Well, this battle between former friends, former partners, partners continues in picture in picture. Don't go anywhere. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. Oh, hello. Welcome to another episode of Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show where I, Matt Baskey, attempt to watch 5,000 pro wrestling matches in one calendar year. This episode covers everything that I watched post-WrestleMania week up until April 9th, which was a paltry, pathetic, embarrassing 85 matches. I'm slipping. I'm slipping big time, guys. And I'm not too worried about it. I had 140 fucking matches during WrestleMania week. I deserve a bit of a break. But let's get through all these matches anyways. Let's talk about them. Let's friggin' dig into this shit. But first, please enter the nearest wormhole and travel back to the month of March because there's one show from WrestleMania week that I finally got to watch, the WrestleCon Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show. Let's go through it. We started with Blake Christian versus Michael Oku from the UK. Uh, This is a pretty hot match. A couple of very evenly matched uh, prospects from America and the United Kingdom. Uh, They worked pretty well together, and it was a pretty enjoyable opener match. I gave it a 3.25. Not quite anything amazing, but uh, these guys are probably incapable of putting on a bad match. So still really good stuff. After that, Brian Keith and Kenta took on Christopher Daniels and Tom Lawler. What a weird tag match. Um, Ended up being a bit of a ho-hum brawl. Nothing too exciting. Nothing really amazing to write home about. But uh, still not too terrible. 2.75. After that, uh, Ultimo Dragon took on an Egyptian mummy. Sorry, uh, Negro Casas, a luchador who is... 65,000 years old and carries more curses than you can shake a stick at. Um, No, he's actually like 63 or something. Still, seeing both these guys at such an advanced age being able to move the way they do was pretty cool. And I got to admit, there were some uh, engaging spots in this match that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Like uh, Casas falling from the turnbuckle down to the floor and everyone in the audience just being like, oh shit, I just saw a 63-year-old man take like like an eight-foot fall. And Ultimo Dragon's just like, Oh shit! I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to dump you on your ass like that. Like you can only really do that with an incredibly old competitor. So at least they were doing something uh, creative and different with this match. It was pretty enjoyable. Uh, three out of five. Better than I had expected. After that, Ares Latigo and Laredo Kid took on Aramis Rey Horus and Galeno del Mal, the biggest motherfucker in Mexico. Uh, this was. As you can probably uh, guess from any, like, Lucha Six Man that contains names like Ray Horace, Aramis, or Latigo, uh, a bonkers spot fest followed. Um, lots of high-flying, pretty chaotic uh, team-based spots just going all over the place. Not the best I've seen from uh, this type of uh, Luchador crew. Uh, I've definitely seen... Um, Latigo and, and Ray Horace in a better match from West Coast Pro earlier this year, but this was still very enjoyable. Galeno Del Mal is enormous and really, really interesting. I You don't see luchadors his size very often, so he, he's very cool, and I hope to see more of him very soon. Uh, after that, a 10-woman showcase from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. We had uh, our first team, Free Wi-Fi, Hakari Noah and Naoka Kuta, Raku, Rika Tatsumi, and Miyu Watanabe took on Hyper Misao, Mizuki, Shoko Nakajima, Yuki Aino, and Yuki Kamafuku. Um, it says something about TJPW's uh, roster that you can have Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita not in this um, showcase, and it's still a really solid match. Very high-paced, very fast, lots of high-flying, crazy strikes. Uh, Mizuki hit her um, her crazy uh, 
I always want to call it the candy shot, but that's not what it's called. It's called the candy something. Uh, that crazy spin move she does that looks like it's physically impossible. Uh, I think these ladies really impressed everyone uh, at the Globe Theater with this match, and I feel like they probably made a bunch of new, more new fans because this was very impressive for you know just a, an exhibition with a five on five. Liked it a lot. Three point five out of five recommended. Then after that, we had Speedball Mike Bailey on his 10,000th match of the week against Shigehiro Irie. I think it's Irie. One of these days, I'll learn how to say all the Japanese names. Anyhow, this match is hot as fuck. I highly recommend uh, you check it out. I've been complaining a lot lately about wrestling matches being too short. This is an excellent example of how you take an eight-minute match and make it excellent and memorable and and different there was uh a lot of moves packed into this short uh eight minutes here and they made the best of what they had and it turned out to be one of my favorite matches from the whole week i gave it a four out of five possibly speedball's best match of wrestlemania weekend it's it's hard to say i'd have to go back and look at all of them because there's a lot uh but yeah really really good stuff recommend you check this match out after that united empire jeff cobb mark davis and kyle fletcher took on time machine kushida chris sabin and alex shelley i was really excited for this one usually uh whenever you have aussie open and the motor city machine guns in the same match you're expecting something really good uh i feel like this one got a little too chaotic a little too messy to really honestly recommend but you know if you like either team i definitely recommend checking it out it's a fun one just uh maybe a couple of slices short of a full cake uh 3.25 from me and your main event el hijo del vikingo versus commander versus black taurus for the triple a mega championship um like all three guys they're all very impressive i like the idea of having two straightforward high-flying luchadoras in vikingo and commander uh against a powerhouse black taurus who can kind of be their base and launch them around all over the place uh yeah it wasn't the best vikingo match i've seen in the last week there's been a bunch of them but uh this was still very enjoyable uh lots of crazy spots the crowd was very hot for it definitely worth checking out this entire show i'd say it's uh very well put together an easy watch and most of the matches are pretty solid over to april now uh, we're over here on april the third starting with aew elevation which opened with nick camarado versus action andretti i'm not crazy about either guy and uh this wasn't exactly the kind of match that shows what nick camarado can do this is more of an action andretti match uh yeah not really for me 2.25 after that angelica risk took on sky blue who has apparently just been signed to aew i thought for sure she was signed already because i don't think i've seen anyone wrestle more this year than sky blue i swear last month i watched her wrestle like 14 times or something uh, anyways, this was uh, another pretty average Sky Blue match. I feel like she works her best when she just has, like, a short sprint and, you know, isn't trying to put together several minutes and, and stitch them into a cohesive package. I feel like uh, a bit of chaos really serves her well. But anyways, this was a 2.5. She's improving all the time. It's just uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, AEW really understands fully like where she shines because some of sky blue matches are excellent and then others are like this where they're just kind of uh, forgettable anyhow the gates of agony bishop khan and toa leona took on leonis and maximus and it was a pretty forgettable squash 2.25 uh, after that kelsey heather took on julia black Julia Black kind of has this, the same problem as Sky Blue when she had her cheerleader character and she could do, you know, those types of uh, moves. It, it made a lot of sense, but now that she's has a, now that she has a different character, things are uh, uh, definitely set up to not accommodate the the cheerleader type offense. So they're still trying to figure this one out, and it hasn't resulted in a good match yet. I'm hoping it will soon. Two point two five. After that, Kip Sabian took on Leon Ruffin. Always love seeing Leon. He's uh, such a cool wrestler who does things unlike anybody else. 
and he mainly does them to make his opponent look good, so he's a really useful guy to have around. Kip Sabian's all right. Uh, this was probably the best match on this card. It was a pretty weak elevation, I gotta say. 2.75 for this one. Bryce Cannon took on Lance Archer. Um, I, th- I think I only remember Lance Archer's uh, entrance on this one. I don't know if I was really paying attention. Uh, two out of five for me on that one. And the main events, the infantry, Captain Sean Dean and Carly Bravo took on the guns, Austin and Colton Gunn, in a non-title match, I guess. Um, just pretending the guns don't have the titles, I suppose. This was not a great tag bout. Neither team here is really experienced or talented enough to to really carry a good match. So this was just kind of two okay teams doing moves at each other for a little bit. Uh, 2.25. Really uh, lackluster elevation, but it's post-mania week. You know, don't do anything too crazy. Give some people uh, a bit of a breather. But uh, (laughs) you want to talk disappointments. There's nothing going to be any more disappointing this week than Raw after WrestleMania. Possibly the worst episode of this show in the entire company's history. Just just bad stuff all around. All the segments wasted too much time. So many matches were cut that should have been on this show. Just everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. Vince changed the the layout of the show like three times after they started rolling. Just a, just a real bad time for everyone involved. Uh, and the matches weren't great either. We opened with Elias versus Omos. Uh, Elias is a guy that I maybe think you should be protecting a bit because, you know, he's, he's fairly popular. But uh, nope, he just gets squashed by Omos, who is... Uh, a very terrible wrestler. Rey Mysterio took on Austin Theory. Admittedly, this one was a little better, but uh, yeah, Rey didn't have a ton of chances to shine. It was mostly just Austin Theory sticking up the joint. Uh, then we had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. I was actually pretty excited to see this. Kind of like the two best tag teams WWE has right now. Um, it was enjoyable. It was a three out of five. These teams worked decently well together. They just didn't have a ton of time to make it special. And, uh, I don't know. I maybe would have saved this one for later on because, like, Street Profits are one of the best teams you got. Do you really want to waste this on a Raw? Whatever. Bobby Lashley squashed Mustafa Ali after that. Uh, Ali is, again, just being horribly misused. He's so talented. And they're kind of just making him into a joke. Uh, that's really sad and then your main event uh yeah i guess Liv morgan and raquel gonzalez versus damage control dakota kai and eo sky with no bailey uh nobody knows what's happening with bailey it seems like she's implying she might be leaving wwe uh i personally would fucking love to see bailey show up literally anywhere else she has so much potential and has been basically stymied this whole time working for a company that doesn't really let people do everything they can do in ring so i I would really like to see bailey in a different setting i think that would be hella cool uh this match however was just a 2.25 i don't remember anything about it um the the matches on this raw were really they weren't even pretending that they were important you know this was a, a segment show and the segments were god-awful, so do yourself a favor, uh, don't watch uh, this Monday Night Raw. Oh, I don't think I mentioned the rating for Elias versus Omos, it was uh, 1.75. Bad match, bad stuff, bad Raw. Moving on to NWA, <laughs> it's not going to be much better. Uh, I have to, unfortunately, uh, maybe ask for listeners' help. I was trying to uh, watch NWA 312, their most recent pay-per-view. And all the uh, <clears throat> legitimate streaming sites that I watch NWA pay-per-views on, uh, they omitted the last hour. So since I can't watch the whole show, I've decided just to not watch any of it. And I'm certainly not going to pay twenty four ninety nine to watch NWA. No fucking way is that happening. So I don't know. I might not get to watch 312. I'd really like to. I'm sure it's really, really bad and there's lots to talk about, but... Uh, if I can't watch the Tyrus match, really, what's the point? Uh, but 
Power this week opened with Pretty Empowered, Ella Envy and Roxy versus Kylan King and Samantha Starr. Uh, Kylan King and Samantha Starr are both really solid wrestlers. Pretty Empowered is a fairly fun tag team, so this actually wasn't terrible. It was a 2.75. It actually felt like a, a real wrestling match that a real company might put on. Good job, Billy. You did it. Uh, after that, though, was Homicide versus Salazar de la Muerte. Uh, I love me some homicide, but this was not a good homicide match. Um, kind of a lazy brawl. Nothing really interesting or dynamic happening. No big moves. Just kind of punch and kick for a bit, and then it was over. And then in your main event for a Titanic Tampa street fight, Rolando Freeman versus Aaron Stevens. Um, I will give them a little bit of credit. When they went into the backstage area, there were a couple of creative spots using some of the stretching machines that they had back there. Um, you know, good for them, I guess. But uh, the rest of this match was kind of just boring, plodding, uninteresting brawling. Uh, Rolando Freeman is a, a likable enough wrestler. You know, he with his tiny size, you're, you're rooting for him, but... Uh, they just haven't booked him to do anything but get his ass kicked. This is a 2.25. This was a better power than, than some episodes I've seen, but still uh, not worth watching by any stretch of the imagination. Do you remember when power was, like, really hot and people were telling you that it was, like, worth watching every week? What happened to that? I have no idea. Over to AEW Dark, which opened with Peter Avalon versus A.R. Fox. Uh, these guys worked really well together. A.R. Fox is such a creative wrestler that he's always coming at every match with just ideas, ideas, ideas. He's so fucking cool, and AEW is really, really lucky to have him because you can throw him in with just anybody, even Peter Avalon, and then the match will end up being pretty fucking good. It was a 3.25, worth checking out. After that, Willie Mack took on Serpentico in the uh, standard goofy Serpentico squash match. It was a lot of fun. Willie Mack's an enjoyable wrestler. He's got some cool moves, very charismatic, and Serpentico's always a lot of fun as well. So this was a 3 out of 5. After that, Layla Gray took on Amira. Um... Yeah, not uh, not a super great one here. Layla is at least coming out with a lot of aggression, and that that shows something. But uh, still, didn't end up being a very good match. Two point five, pretty short, not very notable. Then the varsity athletes Ari Davari and Tony Nice took on Jay Lucas and Terry Yaki. I feel like the varsity athletes have gotten a really like solid chunk of time to really work on their their tag team offense, and they they work really well together. Every time they put on a match, there's always something where I'm like, "Oh, that was pretty cool." It'll be neat to see them graduate from dark and actually start wrestling real tag teams. Uh, but yeah, two point seven five, not a bad match at all. After that, Invictus Cash took on Lee Moriarty. Uh, I've seen Invictus Cash live before. He's a really solid grappler. Very beefy, he can do a lot of stuff. I, I hope to see more of him on Dark soon. And Lee Moriarty is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, some good grappling going on here. I wish these guys had a little bit more time, and I wish there weren't so many heel shenanigans based around the match. But what can you do, you know? Uh, three out of five, decent enough. Um, maybe a step down from what I expected out of Lee, though. After that, Evil Uno took on Cesar Bononi of the Wingmen. Um... Evil Uno's been having some decent singles matches lately. They, they've just kind of been sort of brawly type deals. Uh, nothing terrible. I was pretty into it. Uh, 2.75 on this one. Kept my attention. Didn't overstay its welcome. It was fine. And after that, your main event, Tony Storm took on Kira Hogan in what was surprisingly like my favorite match from either of them all year. I'm normally not crazy about Tony Storm's in-ring. I think she's a little overrated, and often her best matches, she's being carried by somebody who's really, really good. But this one, actually, I feel like these two worked really well together. It was hard-hitting. Uh, they didn't fuck anything up. It flowed nice. Uh, I was kind of surprised throughout this whole thing. I was like, damn, damn! Really worthwhile main event for Dark, and uh, yeah, they, they kind of killed it. 3.5 out of 5, way better than I expected. Um, pretty solid Dark this week, better than Elevation by a mile. 
Over to NXT, which opened with pre-deadly Kit Wilson and Elton Prince versus Tony D'Angelo and Channing Lorenzo. Uh, yeah, pretty lackluster tag bout here. I've noticed that, especially in NXT, a lot of WWE wrestlers, they only do, like, transition moves. Like, they do a move where I'm like, okay, and now you do the big move. Now you do the big slam or, or the big strike or the something that makes this sequence worth it but no they just move on to the next thing and it makes their matches feel toothless and uninteresting because i've seen enough other wrestling to know that you can do more you can keep hitting your opponent you don't have to slow down just i know that wwe is telling you to slow down but it just sucks like these teams could put on a belter if they just went full force but the only people who are allowed to go full force are like Axiom and Seth Rollins. It's frustrating as hell. Anyways, Odyssey Jones took on Dijak in a uh, pretty meh big man brawl. Uh, at least Dijak won. That was uh, appropriate. It was 2.5. Meh. Uh, Dragon Lee took on Nathan Fraser in a pretty entertaining bout. Um, Dragon Lee's not like the most exciting luchador in the world, but uh, you know he could put on a good match, and Nathan Fraser is a really good hand. So this was a 3.25. Not quite good enough to recommend, but it was a, a bright spot on this show. I really liked it. After that, for the NXT Women's Championship, Indy Hartwell defends her title against Zoe Stark. Uh, I will say that Zoe Stark, you know, she's got that one nice move, and, you know, they're really leaning on that. But uh, I don't know. This is the NXT Women's Championship. I don't know why it's being defended on the middle of the show. I don't know why, you know, a, a, a low-level opponent like Zoe Stark is getting a shot right after Indy won the belt. This match just didn't really need to happen. Uh, 2.75, kind of kind of a head-scratcher. After that, Ivy Nile took on Tatum Paxley. I will say Ivy Nile's kicks are fucking excellent. Uh, she's a really good striker, and I can see why uh, she gets a lot of love on the internet. She's definitely one of the standouts of the women's division. And not like the ones that they just keep harping on. She's like one of the actual ones you can tell. Oh, there's something here. She She's going to turn into a really solid performer uh, sometime soon, I'm hoping. Or... She'll be one of the ones who leaves and finds a new home elsewhere because it's starting to get to the point where NXT is having their own uh, waves of cast-offs and they're starting to show up, you know, in stardom, AEW, you know, they're getting around because, uh, you know, at least these people know how to work TV. That's something. 2.5, uh, I feel like if they had a bit more time and if Tatum could kind of match Ivy's uh, offense, this could have been something special, but it was just all right. Then the main event for the NXT North American Championship, Wesley took on Axiom. Um, this one I can't quite recommend. It just felt like they needed a, a little bit more oomph to really make this one special because both guys are excellent wrestlers, and there were some excellent sequences in this match, but I feel like, you know, it just took its time when it didn't need to, and, you know, it had a couple of down spots, and I feel like if they had just thrown caution to the wind and you know done a little bit more this match could be very very memorable but instead it was just pretty good uh 3.25 out of five solid nxt couple of good matches you know it wasn't terrible but um yeah the the development system is still still needs a lot of work uh, but over to AEW Dynamite, we open with the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews against the best friends, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta for the AEW World Trios Championship. Uh, signature House of Black chaos going on in this match. Uh, best friends were able to insert their particular brand of lighthearted comedy into this sort of match while it still didn't, you know, take a hit for that. So, yeah, pretty good overall. 3.25, really solid opener. Um, you know, maybe not one I'll be remembering towards the end of the year, but still a good match. After that, for the AEW Women's World Championship, Jamie Hayter took on Riho in what I think was a pretty uh, anticipated bout for a lot of people. Uh, I feel like both of these women could have given a little more, but it was pretty satisfying for what it was. Um, you know, I feel like we'll be talking about Jamie Hayter and Riho in much more grandiose terms in a couple of years, I think. Um, so this is kind of like a forward-thinking women's title match. 
uh, to me at least. 3.5, uh, really good stuff. Definitely check it out. Both women are excellent. Uh, I feel like there are more matches on the table for them in the future. After that, Sammy Guevara took on Commander. Uh, Commander's been getting a lot of AEW matches lately, which is pretty cool. It's um, cool rope walking in this match, and Sammy had enough cool spots to at least endear him to the crowd enough so that this match stayed together. Um, he's getting the wrong kind of heat. People really don't like this guy, but he's a spectacular wrestler. His matches are really good. After that, Hook took on Ethan Page for the FTW Championship. Um, pretty short match. Not a whole lot to uh, really delve into about it, but they did have a better rematch on Rampage, which we'll get to a bit later. After that, Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Casagnoli, and Wheeler, Wheeler Utah took on Aaron Rourke, Alvin Alvarez, and Brother Greatness in a trio squash. Just trying to get over the fact that Blackpool Combat Club ain't playing by the rules no more. Um, yeah, it was uh, very short. Not a whole lot to really uh, sink your teeth into, but, you know, it was a BCC match. It wasn't terrible. 2.5 average. And then the main events, titles versus career. The world tag team titles on the line. If FTR loses, they leave AEW. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler against Austin and Colton the Guns. And get the obvious bit out of the way. The Guns' 50-cent intro was pretty ballin'. Uh, I gotta say, they, you know, came off a little better than they have you know as like the ass boys but uh yeah the match was just okay uh it was a three out of five for me it, it got the job done you got the belts back on ftr they're staying in AEW. everyone gets the big christmas time finish so you know i can't complain about it it just wasn't uh a spectacular mind-melting match it just it had a goal in mind and it accomplished that goal very handily so well done good dynamite this week not amazing but uh it's uh, not the worst either over to ring of honor on honor club and i'm sorry to say this might have been the weakest roh uh, so far still some very solid matches on it but uh, let's go through it open with shane taylor and the work horseman jd drake and anthony henry Versus Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros, Penta El Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix. Uh, this one was a bit chaotic and not particularly in a good way. It was a little messy. Some parts didn't really flow the, the best, but it was still an enjoyable opener. Three out of five. I expected a little better with some of the names in this match, though. I feel like a Lucha Bros work horseman uh, tag match would be really good. After that, hot damn, Katsuyori Shibata defending his ROH Pure Championship against Christopher Daniels. Um, just throwing out Shibata dream matches we didn't know we wanted. This was uh, a really good grappling match, as you would expect from a Shibata Pure match. Um, what can I say? It's just a fucking miracle we get to still watch this guy wrestle. And even in a kind of throwaway title defense here, he still put on a fantastic performance. It was a 3.25 um, if you're a Shibata fan or you've been enjoying Ring of Honor so far since uh, TK bought it, definitely check out this match. After that, Brian Cage took on Ortiz. Ortiz isn't the type of wrestler that's really going to bring out the best in Brian Cage, so this match was just kind of meh. 2.5 for me. After that, Darius Martin took on Jay Lethal, and I feel like my brain has, like voluntarily erased this match from my memory not that it was particularly bad but just the worst of the two martin brothers versus one of my least favorite wrestlers in the world jay lethal is not going to excite me anytime soon a 2.25 i'd skip it then the infantry captain sean dean and carly bravo took on la faction and gobernable rouge and dralistico um yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't really remember this match. I feel like it must have been pretty short, because I gave it a 2.25, and I, I barely remember it happening. And it was just a few days ago. Uh, then we have Hot Sauce Tracy Williams taking on Daniel Garcia. Oh, man, I really haven't been enjoying Garcia's matches lately. He's uh, definitely changed his style, and I, I, I don't like it. Uh, 2.5 for me. Really waiting on Garcia to put in a really solid match and remind us why he's so good his character work is great his in-ring has been suffering lately then we have willow nightingale versus notorious mimi um some decent strikes in this match it was an all right uh 
it wasn't like a really a squash, but everyone knows Willow's winning this one. Um, 2.5, not bad. Then the Righteous Dutch and Vincent versus even Stevens, Steven Azur and Steve Somerset. Um, it doesn't happen often on ROH, but every once in a while you get a match where it's just a bunch of guys who are just purely ROH guys who you don't really know from, from AEW. Uh, and I didn't really follow Ring of Honor before they uh, collapsed, so... I don't know these guys, and their match wasn't particularly interesting or notable. Um, yeah, 2.25. Don't know what that's about. And then your penultimate match, Tony Nese took on Konosuke Takeshita. And, uh, you know, I feel like I should have really popped when I saw that match graphic, because that's the, the makers of a banger right there. Um, I feel like they kept it a little subdued. This match could have been a little better, knowing both guys, but there were still some creative spots, uh, some very enjoyable sequences. It flowed really well. Uh, 3.25, worth checking out. And then your main events for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship, Athena versus Mio Yamashita in a rematch of their prestige wrestling uh, match that happened a while back. Uh, I will say that this one, I think, is uh, a bit better than that one. It at least had a, a definitive finish, which is nice. And these two work pretty well together. It wasn't quite good enough to wind up on my match of the year list, but uh, if you've been enjoying any of Athena's matches so far, this killer run she's been doing post-WWE, um, definitely check this one out. It's well worth your time. And Yamashita's one of the best in the world. And uh, I'm kind of sad her U.S. tour is over because she got some really good matches out of it. Over to Impact for Impact on Access TV, the Impact Channel. Uh, we start with the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley versus the Mighty Don't Kneel, Bad Dude Tito and Shane Haste. Uh, Bad Dude Tito isn't bad. I just really wish Mikey Nichols was teaming with Shane Haste in Impact. That would be so much better. Oh, But... This was still a really good match. I mean, uh, the the guns in a handicap match versus Shane Haste would have been better than this. But uh, still, good stuff. Solid opener, 3.25. It's, it's hard to go wrong with the guns. They're so good. Uh, and then after that, for like the fifth or sixth time I've seen them wrestle this year, Speedball Mike Bailey versus Jonathan Gresham. I think this was the third time on Impact. Uh, I got to say None of their singles matches have really lit the world on fire for me, and they really should have, because these are two of the absolute best in America. Um, it's not even that they work poorly together. I just feel like they've approached their matches probably so that they don't use every single possible trick that they could possibly do. So, you know, they're they're leaving room to grow, but unfortunately that means is that none of the matches have been particularly amazing. Some of them have made my match of the year, but they're pretty low on it. And this one, I think, is the worst of the bunch yet. It's still good. It's still recommendable. I gave it a 3.5. But this was a little less dire circumstances. This was more of a grappling bout, and uh, they, they took it a little easier on this one. Still good, still worth checking out, still wa worth watching, but this whole feud has just really left me without an incredible match, other than that one time that they teamed together against the Motor City Machine Guns, and it was one of the best matches I've seen all year. Maybe just run that back again, I don't know. Then we have Terror Rising taking on Jody Threat in a nice little Canadian women's match. Uh, yeah, it was alright. Uh, Jody Threat is tough as nails, and it's cool that she's getting over an impact. 2.75, it was alright. Then Bully Ray and the Good Hands, John Schuyler and Jason Hotch, took on Tommy Dreamer, Yuya Uemura, and Darren McCarty of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, apparently McCarty is a, is a big wrestling fan. He's been around to a lot of indie shows for years and years and, you know, made his presence known there. And, uh, they asked him to do a match and ain't that sweet. Uh, unfortunately it just wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's more Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer bullshit. I'm really over it. Uh, Yuya didn't have much of a chance to show off what he can do. And, uh, yeah. Darren McCarty is not a wrestler. 2.5. I would probably skip this one. Way too long. And then your main event, Eddie Edwards versus PCO. Uh, PCO did some crazy shit in this match, as he often does. I feel like this one 
felt kind of janky didn't quite uh feel smooth like uh some eddie edward matches uh, i've seen lately it was all right three out of five just uh you had a couple of better matches earlier on the card or what i wonder if maybe one of those should have been the main event but uh, if you haven't had your fill of the Impact roster, you can always check out Wrestling Revolver for Thursday. Um, I guess because it's Sammy Callahan's uh, company, that's just where all the Impact guys go to blow off steam. So we opened with Chris Saban versus Brian Keith. Pretty solid match. They uh, had an interesting clash of styles. Um, it just didn't necessarily pop off to anything particularly great. Solid opener, though. Three out of five. After that, oh, fuck yeah, Bird Law, Speedball Mike Bailey and Veda Scott took on Fuck Around and Find Out, Steve Macklin and Deanna Perrazzo, a tag match between two married couples. I would actually like to see, like, a tournament of, of married wrestlers, maybe have it on Valentine's Day. I think that would be really neat. You know, you could have these two teams, fucking Nicole Matthews and Artemis Spencer, Willow Nightingale is, is uh dating uh what's his name uh rex lawless there's a bunch of options you could do this no problem someone should do it anyways i love bird law they're a lot of fun uh their matches are equal parts high octane offense and goofy comedy uh this match had a lot of smooching in it uh including a part where speedball and veda uh kissed the referee and she was very flustered and it was pretty cute um, once this match actually got going, though, and, you know, the, the moves started happening, it was pretty fun. Uh, I like the way that Speedball and Veda don't pretend that Veda is on Mike's level as a wrestler. So it's kind of like, just let Mike kick the shit out of them, and then Veda will come in and pick her spot, and then, you know, uh, find the right move at the right time. It works really well. Uh, it, it ends up making their matches feel like they have a really clear and concise story um i i want to see more bird law matches they should get booked more and fuck around and find out was a, a pretty fun team as well honestly book a diana perrazzo speedball singles match they worked really well together and they're like the same height so <laughs> that could be really excellent uh anyways good match 3.5 out of 5 uh i recommend it big fan of bird law moving on we had Mad Men Fulton versus Crash Jackson in a uh, big old Haas fight. There's some uh, some weapons, some punching, some kicking. They laughed. They learned. They loved. 2.75. Moving on to Amelia Mashta against Ali Catch. And I gotta admit, I was not looking forward to this one. Ali Catch is a singles wrestler. Isn't, isn't the best. She works best when she has tag partners and it's in a bit of a chaotic match and, you know, she can just kind of do spots. She's, she's not my favorite wrestler. She's not bad, and she has definitely charm. I don't hate seeing her. But, you know, an alley catch singles match is always going to leave a bit to be desired. Thankfully, Milia Mashta is a consummate professional, one of the best in the world, and was able to drag this up to be being pretty enjoyable. Uh, 3.25 for me, a little better than I expected. But, uh, you know, it's Yamashita. She's excellent. Then for the Pro Wrestling Evolver Tag Team Championship, the Rascals, Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz versus the ABC, Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Um, I feel like between these two teams, this should have been a crazy spot fest. And it was alright for a while, and then it just kind of abruptly ended. I feel like, for once, I'm begging for a wrestling match to be longer. Uh, these, uh, yeah, these two teams could have kept it going and could have uh, elevated this match a little bit. It was just a 3 for me, and it, it really should have been closer to a 3.5, but still not bad. And your main events in a Dayton, Ohio street fight for the Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix Championship, Alex Shelley versus Jake Christ. Um, yeah, this one was just all right. Had, had a bit of blood, had some moves, had some interference... Um, yeah, it just, it never really escalated to a point where I could call it a great match. It was just okay. Three out of five from me. Then over to AEW Rampage, we open with the sequel, Hook versus Ethan Page, for the FTW Championship, this time under FTW rules, which means no countouts, no disqualifications, 
balls count anywhere. Uh, this one was much, much better than their previous encounter. Uh, I feel like Hook hasn't had many chances to do this sort of like arena brawling match, but he excels at it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, this was uh, pretty enjoyable. 3.5, solid opener. Uh, over then to the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens, along with 2.0, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, versus LSG, Bobby Orlando, and the Infantry, Captain Sean Dean and Carly Bravo. Um, I don't really get this acclaimed 2.0 storyline. I, I don't know why the acclaimed is even entertaining the idea of working with Menard and Parker. Um, yeah, this match just it wasn't wasn't great. 2.25... Uh, don't really see the point of it really after that we had darby allen versus lee moriarty in a match that really should have been the main events uh these two have an interesting clash of styles i feel like there was no way this match was going to be bad because you know darby will do something crazy and lee will just be a fantastic wrestler and i liked that lee working with big bill is like big bill does the cheating and lee just has to wrestle you know he doesn't have to do a whole lot of heel shenanigans because he's just so good that if Big Bill creates an opening, you know, you're in trouble. Uh, it works really well, and it, it made the match uh, go by at a very brisk pace. 3.75 out of 5 from me. Recommend you check it out. And then your main event, Anna J.A.S. versus Julia Hart. Um, Anna J is coming off of an injury, so this is kind of like uh, a big welcome back for her. Unfortunately, neither woman is really capable of delivering a main event level singles match at the time. Uh, it wasn't bad, 2.75. I just probably would have put Darby and Lee on last. I feel like this one went on last just for the sake of having it on last, and that's unfortunate. But uh, AEW is not yet over on that Friday night, because following Rampage, there was Battle of the Belts 6. This might have been the best Battle of the Belts. It wasn't amazing, but none of them have been. Uh, it opened with, for the AEW International Championship, Orange Cassidy versus Dralistico. Um, <clears throat> this one was fairly good. I feel like it went on a little too long. And, you know, maybe outwore its welcome with me a, a little bit. 3.25 is, is my score for it. Yeah, uh, could have been better, but it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. After that, for the TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus Billy Starks. Oh, man, I was looking forward to this one. I thought it was going to be the first truly great Jade Cargill match. Um, unfortunately, it was just really good. Um... I, I, I'm, like, struggling really hard to remember, like, what really stuck out for this match. And unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot to grab onto. It was a good match, but that's that's all it was at the end of the day. Uh, I love Billy. I love Jade. I feel like if you were to revisit this a couple years down the line, this could be a face melter. But for now, it's just 3 out of 5. And then your main events for the ROH Tag Team Championship, the Lucha Bros, Penta El Zero and Ray Phoenix versus Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall. Um, interestingly enough, Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall have pretty good tag chemistry. Who would have thought? Um, it, it's interesting having like this this bruiser, this fucking sawed-off monster that will just fuck up your day. And then having a really smart veteran like QT who kind of, like, creates the opportunities for him. Pretty similar to Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. I like this team. Uh, I hope to see more of them. And I'm, I'm enjoying this Powerhouse Hobbs, QT, Marshall team-up so far. Uh, Lucha Bros were great as always. This was a 3.5. Might have been the best Battle of the Belts match. And a very uh, deserving main event. Uh, I was pretty happy with this one overall. Oh, but then over to SmackDown, where we open with the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch versus Imperium, Gunther, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, yeah, these two teams have been feuding for what feels like fucking ages, but their matches are always really good. Uh, not a whole lot of Ridge Holland in this match, thank God. Just a lot of Sheamus, a lot of Butch, a lot of Gunther, a lot of his cronies. Yeah, they just beat the shit out of each other in a really enjoyable way. I mean, I feel like I will tire of this feud eventually, but it's 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 still good TV. Uh, I can't deny that this was the best match WWE put out all week. 
3.5 worth checking out and then you can just you, you can just turn smackdown off after that because uh, next we have Ricochet versus Ivar. Uh, again, you know, continuing a feud that I feel like maybe should have petered out around Mania, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah, not the best Ricochet match. Ivar is, you know, a, a, a good wrestler, but he works best in a tag team with another guy who can do his stuff as well. So this was just an all right singles match. Two point seven five Smash White Supremacy. Then Natalia and Shotzi took on Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. It's pretty sad seeing these women's uh, tag teams just being thrown together with no care or logic. It doesn't matter why Natalia's with Shotzi. It doesn't fucking matter why Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are together. Ugh. Like, WWE doesn't care about women's wrestling. WWE doesn't care about tag wrestling. So women's tag wrestling is just something that probably shouldn't exist on their program because it's always going to be shitty. 2.25. All four of these women deserve better. And then in a sick uh, tag match, we have the Judgment Day, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio versus the Latino World Order, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. Uh, Ray had some fun spots in this match. 2.5. That's all I can say. <laughs> Ray was kind of fun. Everything else was kind of shit. And then your main events. Oh, we're, we're, we're still doing this too, huh? Sami Zayn versus Jay Uso. Um, yeah, this was all right. There's obviously a lot of storyline heat between these two, but I feel like it's starting to peter out. Um... If this ends up going to where Jey Uso beats Roman Reigns, I'm going to be really fucking upset because I'm, I'm sorry. I know he's been around a long time. He's a legendary tag wrestler and all that. I don't give a shit about an Uso singles run. I just really don't. Like, that's not going to be a main event program. I'm sorry. It's just not. He's not on the level of Sami Zayn. He's not on the level of Roman Reigns. I feel like... If this is where they're going, it's just going to waste everyone's time. Move on. If the bloodline is going to break up, have it happen like now and have it happen because of Sammy. If it if they're not breaking up, just move on. Frustrating. Frustrating stuff because the, uh, the logical ending should have happened already. Twice now. And you're just going to be dealing with diminishing returns over and over again. Amazing. Well, thankfully, there's still some good wrestling on the docket for uh, the last little bit of the week. It was pretty dire following WrestleMania weekend. Uh, a lot of shows weren't exactly phoning it in, but also weren't exactly counting on a, on a Dynamite show. But thankfully, we've got a couple of uh, special matches to talk about here. Let's go over to West Coast Pro, home of the Killers. WCP has been on fire lately, and I've been really enjoying their shows. This one opened with Vert Vixen versus Aja Kong. Uh, it was a 2.75, not like a, a good, good, good match or anything, but it is still cool to see Aja Kong, you know, tearing it up with younger American talents. It's not going to be something you're going to see for much longer, so I definitely appreciate it. Uh, it was, you know, a, a bit of a, a loosey-goosey brawl, nothing too exciting, but still, it was fine. 2.75. Then we have Jordan Oliver versus Brian Keith. Uh, I'm happy to say this wasn't uh, a Jordan Oliver indie epic match. It didn't outstay its welcome as his matches often can. Uh, as often is the case with Brian Keith matches, it's an interesting clash of styles because he's you know very different from a lot of the other indie guys. Uh, pretty enjoyable match. Three out of five overall. Both guys are, are, are really solid wrestlers. It just wasn't uh, super incredible for me or anything like that. Then we have uh, the reason you should tune in to this show, Speedball Mike Bailey versus Michael Oku in uh, what I'd say is you know a, a dream match of sorts. Uh, I mean, when you're like Speedball Mike Bailey, any match against a notable singles competitor is kind of like a dream match. Anyways, these two guys worked really well together. Uh, Oku came out obviously not being the most familiar with American audiences, so he had a lot to prove. I like that he does a lot of simple moves but executes them really, really well. Makes them look amazing. Uh, only the best wrestlers do that, and 
yeah, Michael Oku is, is a very talented guy. This is an excellent match. You should go out of your way to see it. Four out of five. After that, Alpha Zoe took on Leo Rush in a hotly contested bout. Um, I feel like there was maybe a little too much trash talking in this one. It kind of hampered it a little bit, but, you know, it did still add character to this match, which I appreciated. Yeah, really good stuff. 3.5. Alpha Zoe was pretty impressive, and Leo Rush is just, oh, so good. He's so fucking good. Uh, then for the West Coast Pro uh, Women's Championship, we have Masha Slamovich versus Mio Yamashita. I think this might have been Yamashita's last uh, match in America before heading back. Maybe. I'll have to look into that. Uh, in any case, uh, these two worked really well together. Their styles meshed very well. Uh, Masha didn't have that problem where she wrestles a Joshi and looks like she doesn't know how. Uh, she's obviously very clear and, and very familiar with the style. And, you know, these two just sort of slipped into this match very effortlessly. And it, it turned out to be pretty good. Uh, a couple steps short of being on my match of the year list. But still very, very worth your time. Go check it out. 3.75 from me. And then your main event, a six-man tag. Kevin Blackwood, Alan Angels, and Titus Alexander versus Jacob Fatu, Vinny Massaro, and Starboy Charlie. I gave this one a 3.25. I feel like it was way too long. And there were too many down periods. And... I, I, I feel like it's it's lucky it got that much. Um, yeah, I mean, this is sort of like a, a storyline match... That's really for the fans who come to West Coast Pro every week. Um, for somebody who watches this on IWTV, you know, a week later, it's not exactly going to light your world on fire. But if you live in San Francisco and you've been following this storyline, I'm sure this was a very heated six-man tag because um, the fans were into it. 3.25, it was a fine uh, main event. I just, yeah, I maybe would have put the women's title match on last. In any case... Very good showing from West Coast Pros, home of the Killers. They're one of my favorite indie companies right now. And now that they have Chris Hero working with them, that's even more of a reason to watch. Um, definitely check out their stuff when you can. And finally, to cap it off, uh, I watched the second half of New Japan Pro Wrestling Sakura Genesis because the first half of a New Japan pay-per-view is basically just the pre-show you want to watch a bunch of eight-man tag matches where nothing happens and nothing is gained and nothing is lost no thank you but the rest of the card is hot as fuck we opened with the iwgp women's world championship mercedes monet versus azumi versus kazumi azumi i guess that's how you say it it's 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 written azm and it, it's confusing to all of us gringos in any case this match was a sizzling roller coaster on a hot skillet. God damn, these three women were just going and going and going and going. So many ideas, so many creative spots, so many lightning fast sequences where you were like, oh, that was sick. Oh, that was sick. Oh, that was fucking sick. Like, you just, you can't keep up with this match. It's so fast paced. It's so smooth. Everything clicks. Everything makes sense. Everything feels like it has a reason for happening. This match fucking owns. You need to go out of your way to see it. Finally, Mercedes Monet is putting on the kind of matches that we all wanted to see from her just ripping shit up in japan it's it's oh i'm so happy you guys this is such a great match i'm probably gonna watch it again like just really impressive stuff really showed up every all the men on this card like this was by far the best match of the night by far the best match of the week I'd say this was better than everything I watched Mania Weekend. It's just spectacular, spectacular match. Um, it's in my top 20. Just if you're not already ch like planning on checking it out, you're, you're a dummy. You're a big, you're a big dumb head. Fix it. Fix your life. Uh, after that, for the New Japan World Television Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. took on Shota Umino. Um... It was an enjoyable match. Uh, it was good enough to recommend. I gave it a 3.5. However, I don't know about this Shota guy. Uh, you know, he just doesn't quite hit the spot. Uh, and I don't know if it's from lack of experience or if his if his move set just isn't doing it for me. I don't know. 
but uh, I feel like he's got a long way to go uh, to really be delivering on these these pay-per-view matches. But this one was really good. I, I will say it was mostly good because of Zach's uh, tremendous grappling work. But 3.5, definitely worth watching. After that, for the IWGP World Tag Team Championship, we have Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi versus Aussie Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher. Um, Kyle Fletcher got fucking murdered like two minutes into this thing and was just like bleeding profusely from his head uh, from uh, a crazy tope. And, you know, the match sort of uh, took on that wild... energy throughout the rest of the match uh amazing stuff this was probably so not quite um the best bishamon match i've seen this year uh their one against okada and tanahashi was slightly better but this was still a fucking hot as hell match like the crowd were so into aussie open it's so weird seeing a japanese crowd with a japanese team and their whole character is we embody like the spirit of Bushido and we're like keeping the the warrior tradition of Japan alive in pro wrestling. And the fans don't give a fuck. They love the Aussie boys. <laughs> it's 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 really surreal um just how over they are and New Japan was really fucking up by not having them in tag matches for that long period. Um Tony Khan saves the world, I guess, is is the title of this match because when davis and fletcher were on twitter being like oh ozzy open hasn't had a tag match in so long that's so sad who's gonna fix this you know tony went in booked them in some incredible tag matches and that got them so hot that now they're the world tag team champions in in new japan a couple of months ago they were sad that they don't wrestle enough and now they're champs that's that's so cool wrestling's awesome you should go out of your way to see this match it's not as good as the women's match but still like i would be happy to see this on any fucking card hats off to both teams i kind of hope that they have a a rematch honestly i'd like to see another bishamon aussie open match good stuff um has me very excited for forbidden door then for the iwgp junior heavyweight championship we have hiromu takahashi versus robbie eagles um this is another one where the champion being so professional and experienced and talented really got the young guy through what could have been a bad match and ended up being pretty good. Um, Robbie Eagles leaves a lot to be desired, and I don't know if he's particularly like a star or anything, but he did all right in this match, uh, and you know, Hiromu brought the uh, brought the best out of him. Three point five, not as good as the other high points on this card, but still pretty decent. And then your main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. It is the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada versus Sanada. Um, no longer of white hair. He's got black hair now, so... Yeah. Different Sanada. Um, I will say that uh, I'm not looking forward to Sonata's title reign. I don't think a lot of his singles matches are particularly great unless somebody else is kind of steering the ship. And in this one, Okada was steering the ship, and it was a solid match for that reason. Um, And I was pretty happy with it. Probably one of the better Sonata matches I've seen. Um, Still a slight step down from the tag bout and the the women's title match, Um, but a fine main event. I I was happy with it. I was expecting worse. So uh, really good stuff. Worth uh, checking out. A, A reasonably worthwhile main event. Could have been a little better, but I'm not really complaining here. Overall, the second half of Sakura Genesis was red hot, and you are making a big old mistake if you're not checking it out. Um, And shockingly, that's all the wrestling I have to talk about this week. I didn't really watch any Joshi, um, and there are some indie shows that are still kind of lurking out there that I wanted to watch but didn't get a chance to. And, of course... um, NWA 312. If any listeners know where I can find the full replay of NWA 312 uh, and I don't have to pay $25 to Billy Corgan, please shoot me a message either at uh, Throw Show on Twitter or at Matt Baskey. 
uh, let me know because I do want to watch it. I do want to review it, but I don't want to do that if I have to uh, omit the last two matches. Or I think it was three. Anyhow, it's been a lovely week. Thank you so much for listening, all you folks who have. Um, I can see the numbers slowly, steadily uh, climbing up every time I put out one of these episodes, and that, that means the world to me. I never thought anyone would listen to this crap, so thank you for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me home. Follow me to work. Follow me to the store. And then maybe we can smoke weed and watch wrestling. <laughs>